Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. There is no Mike McDaniel tonight. He's off on a top secret mission um, for some intelligence agency somewhere, I'm sure. Don't worry about it. Uh, But we are still here. We got to talk and preview some Syracuse football in 2018. And we go no other place than the source, Mr. John Casillo from Troy Noons, an absolute magician, Uh, friend of the program. John, thank you for coming back on. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. Doing well. Good. Season. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We're, uh, we're gearing up here for another season. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll let you speak to a, a little bit of how, how much excitement there is around the Syracuse program going into this year. Coming off a four and eight season last year, um, year two of the Dino Babers tenure there in, at Syracuse, but again, featuring another huge upset win, a home win over Clemson earlier in the year. Um, it looked like things were really in good shape there, you know, kind of early in the season. I think they were four and one, maybe out the gate or something, or four and three coming out the gate or something like that. But they, um, you know, kind of struggled towards the finish. So as we look into 2018, want to talk about, you know, how, how this program can take a step forward. And one of the big keys for the first couple of years of the Dino Babers uh, tenure there at Syracuse has been, Eric Dungy, the quarterback, has, has absolutely played his tail off, and at times it seems like he's carrying the team, but that has resulted at times in some injuries. You know, he, he seems to struggle to get help at times from offensive line or, you know, folks getting open. And so when he's gotten injured, you know, it's kind of required a, a backup to come in. This year we've got a couple of different backups available than in previous years, but wanted you to talk to kind of what to expect from Eric Dungy and overall this Syracuse quarterback situation in 2018. Sure. I mean, obviously, you know, Dungy's injuries are well documented. He's missed at least three games each of the last three seasons. Uh, last year, he was a little, little less efficient than he was in year one under Babers. Uh, big problem there is just we didn't really have a, a capable deep threat. So uh, he was relying on a lot of shorter routes um, and relying on, you know, some quicker passes. Didn't really have the time to develop that downfield game. Um if he can stay healthy, and I think a lot of that just depends on offensive line play and him not running as much, like he could put up a monster season. I mean, he's yet to eclipse the 3,000 yard uh, passing mark in a season, but he also, again, hasn't played a full year yet. So I, I think he could, if he stays healthy, he could be in store for somewhere along 32 to 3,500 yards, maybe, you know, 20 touchdowns through the air, and then we'll see what happens on the ground. I mean, I was looking through uh, Bill Connolly over at Football Study Hall had his, uh, kind of explosiveness and uh, efficiency numbers up the other day. And you saw Dungy just like, he did well on both, but he didn't necessarily excel um, in either category. So kind of, that's one of many reasons why I would say Dungy's probably run a little bit less. And and maybe, you know, we end up with a few more of those, uh, you know, bigger gains um, and, and less of the wear and tear that kind of has been uh, taking him down uh, throughout these seasons the last few years. 
Yeah, he he not only led the team in passing last year, and there there was actually a little bit of work to go around there between uh, Zach Mahoney and a couple others, but really he also led the team in rushing attempts last year. <laughs> so it's like that there is a lot of wear and tear going to Eric Dungy and his body throughout the year, and that's clearly resulted in some some uh, some durability concerns. Um, the the primary backups coming to this year again. Zach Mahoney's been the guy for the last couple of years, but uh, we saw some of Rex Culpepper last year. Um, I'll bring up that one of the absolute feel-good stories of the offseason for college football was Rex Culpepper was going through some cancer treatments and was declared cancer-free a couple months ago. I mean, that was a huge deal. Um, and then Tommy DeVito, a, a blue-chip quarterback, a uh, huge prospect from New Jersey, comes in to join the program, join the mix. Um, is that a, That's probably one of the hottest position battles right now in Syracuse camp is that backup position, uh, backup quarterback position, I would have to imagine. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, Culpepper's been there a couple of years, but and while he's been in practice, we don't necessarily know what his health overall looks like, just in terms of like chemo's obviously not an easy thing to go through. Um, and, and while he's recovering and all that, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of a road back for him. Uh, you know, DeVito is a blue chip guy, he's got a great arm, he's super accurate downfield. Um, he's yet to play any snaps for Syracuse, but you know, he has been you know around campus since last year, he seems to know the offense, um, and is earning a a rapport with a lot of these receivers. So I think DeVito earns the job this year, um, at least as a backup. I know he's getting first team reps right now too, here and there, um, just to push Dungy a little bit. Um, I, I think, I don't really think there's much of a competition uh, there. I think it's just good to get DeVito's first team reps, get him some exposure um, before, you know, he, he takes over hopefully next year and not this year because of some, uh, some injury. We talked a little bit before coming on here too that with with both Culpepper and Devito, they're they're a little bit different. Maybe if if you're only familiar with the Dino Babers offense from what he's done since he's been at Syracuse, you're probably expecting a little more of a, a quarterback run game uh, than maybe he would traditionally go for. And and Culpepper and Devito both seem to be more of the traditional pocket passer, stand up, you know, and. and sling it around type rather than really contributing in the run game and in the way that Eric Dungy has been. Oh yeah. I mean, DeVito and, and Culpepper are look a lot more like uh, Matt Johnson and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, previous Babers quarterbacks. And they do Dungy who, as we all know, is, is more of a scrambler and, and a bit of a wild card. So uh, whenever the Tommy DeVito uh, era starts, um, you'll definitely see something much more resembling the, the Babers offense that we saw um, at, at his stops at Bowling Green and at Eastern Illinois. Let's talk about what's on the other end of those those passes being thrown by those guys. So at Syracuse, got to replace Steve Ishmael and Irvin Phillips this year. They were the two primary pass catchers for the Orange a year ago. Um, that's a year after they had to replace Ambed Atawo, who was a, like one of the best receivers in the ACC back in 2016. So this year, not only are they re- replacing 194 of the 320 completions you know, from last year, but they're also now having to replace 426 of the 652 since 2016. So basically two thirds of the completions that have happened over the two years that Dino Babers has been there in a pass heavy offense, they're now gone and they've got to replace really a lot of production that we've seen from that wide receiver position. John, what, what are the, who are the primary candidates to be replacing those guys and being the next big threats? And as you mentioned, there, there needs to be someone who's a deep threat at some point to really make this offense go at its peak, uh, peak capacity. Yeah, you know, I, I think Babers has shown an ability to kind of not completely adjust his system, but at least adjust a little bit to his personnel and, and make the system fit them to some extent. 
Um, you saw previous stops, tight end wasn't really involved in the passing game, but last year, you know, Ravian Pierce, who was a Juco transfer, had 29 catches. Um, I think this year he's going to have a huge season. Um, he's 6'3", 244. Uh, you know, he, he's a real nightmare in, in terms of mismatches um, for opposing teams. I think he can get in behind the line um, and, and pick up short yardage and really bulldoze some guys. I mean, he, when he wasn't being pulled in for extra uh, pass coverage and blocking, um, he was out in the open field making plays. Uh, I don't think he's a deep threat necessarily, but I think he's he's probably your guy who hits 60, 70 catches. I don't think we're going to see the sort of 90 to 100 catches that we've seen from anybody the last couple of years, but I think Pierce is probably your leader somewhere in the 60 to 70 range. Um, as far as deep threats go, uh, Jamal Custis has been injured for the last four seasons. This is year five with him. Um, I think he can, if he can stay healthy, he could be a potential deep threat. Uh, he's about six, three, six, four. Um, and then another uh, option who we saw the field a little bit last year at uh, Nike Johnson. Uh, he's only five, eight, about 167 pounds sophomore, but uh, has blazing speed type of guy who, you know, should be able to get open on the outside. I'm kind of curious to see um, him get spread out wide and see what he can do um, out there. And he'll be, you know, beating cornerbacks with his speed, not necessarily height, as we saw with Ishmael when he was a target last year. And Ambed Atawa was another big, you know, 6'3", 6'4", guy. Um, so I, I think that those are those are your big names to watch. I think Devin Butler's another who uh, who he actually had 33 catches last year, and he's the leading uh returning receiver, but also had some drops problems. I, I feel like Davis has gotten on him a lot about that this off season and he's addressed that and he thinks that, you know, he's, he's improving and, and I hope he does. I hope that, you know, we see a lot more out of him too, because he he's, his success is probably going to uh, dictate a lot of how, how well this offense functions this year. John, I want to move over and talk about the defense a little bit. Um, it's it's kind of been a pain point uh, for Syracuse so far the last couple of years under Babers. Um, some of that might come from tempo on the offensive side of the ball, but one of the things in his uh, Syracuse preview that Bill Conley talked about was how it's probably not the best combination that Syracuse is running tempo on offense and not really substituting a lot on defense. Um, so if they're spending a bunch of time on the field or getting minimal time of rest on the sidelines in, in between drives, they're also not not really rolling personnel a whole lot, um, something that we may or may not see a little more of this year. But uh, Brian Ward comes back for his third year as defensive coordinator. He came over to Syracuse from uh, Bowling Green, where he was there with Babers. Um, switching up to a 4-2-5 this year from a 4-3, he's been running. Um, part of that out of necessity. Uh, and, and you pointed out before we came on here that Syracuse loses their top four linebackers on defense. And that's uh, that's really the biggest thing this group's got to replace. Let's put it this way. Is there a reason that you can give me that this defense should be improved over what we've seen the last couple of years uh, of the Dean of Evers tenure? Sure. I mean, honestly, like some of the issues have been based on injuries. Um, obviously, that's you're going to get some every year. Um, if this group's healthy, I think the defensive line could actually surprise some people. Um, Alton Robinson showed up like a couple weeks before, uh, the season started as a Juco transfer, ended up leading the team in sacks. And Chris Slayton's one of the better defensive tackles in the conference. Um, if we can stay healthy at, at on the end with a guy like Kendall Coleman, uh, Jonathan King, uh, Kingsley, Jonathan, excuse me. Um, and then nose tackle with Kinley Williams. Like these are all guys who know none of those names are, 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 are real big for anyone outside the Syracuse community, but they're guys who you know, are probably going to get turned loose a little bit more this year. Uh, Tampa two doesn't necessarily uh, give you a lot of room to blitz, but I think we're going to be doing more of that this season. Um, 
you know, back in the secondary, the, the, the 4-2-5 transition is going to lean on a position where we don't have a lot of experience, but we have a ton of depth. Um, Antoine Cordy, who's missed the last, almost all of the last two years with injury, um, is going to play nickel corner. Uh, Scoop Bradshaw and Chris Frederick actually had some really good seasons at cornerback for the first half of last year um, before safety injuries kind of, you know, remove that safety blanket uh, behind them. I, I think that, you know, Frederick could, I don't think he's a, he's an all ACC talent just yet, but he's the type of guy who, you know, could be one of the top 10 to 12 corners in, in, in the conference, depending on, um, you know, what happens at the back of this defense. So we'll, we'll see what happens on this uh, the scheme transition. I, I think a lot's going to rest on those defensive backs and the defensive line. And then the linebackers for the first time in what feels like a decade or so for Syracuse fans are kind of going to be covered up um, by the rest of the, the team. But that's not to say that, you know, guys like Keelan Whitner, um, who's going to play on the weak side, and uh, Ryan Guthrie, who's going to be the middle linebacker. It's not to say that they're not going to have impacts either. Uh, both of them are seniors, but really haven't gotten a lot of time yet. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful. And again, if we can stay healthy for at least half the season. Uh, I, I, I'm feeling a, a more optimistic uh, outcome than I have in the last couple seasons. Well, yeah, I mean, something like that would really benefit this team. They've shown that they've not had a problem scoring points. Um, it's, it's more a matter of, of keeping other teams off the scoreboard. That seems like it's been a bigger pain point over the last couple of years. Um, John, as we look at the offense, one of the things we've been doing is looking at who's a new face to know. And we talked about needing to replace wide receivers, so maybe it is one of those guys. But who's a guy on offense that we haven't really heard from much in the past that we're going to hear a lot more from this year for Syracuse? I mean, I mentioned Nike Johnson earlier. Uh, he's definitely one to watch. Uh, but probably the biggest impact guy on this team it could end up being uh, Coda Martin, the Texas A&M uh, transfer. He's a uh, Dino Baber's son-in-law, actually. Hmm. Uh, but he, yeah, comes in at a at right tackle, and uh, could potentially be an NFL talent. So I think you know we already had a pretty good amount of depth and experience on this line, but adding in somebody like that, uh, who you know was a blue chip recruit, played in the SEC, um, could be exactly what we need. Sumlin also ran a pretty uh, you know up tempo offense down at Texas A&M, so having somebody already used to the conditioning as well. Um, is pretty big. So I would say keep an eye on him um, all season. If you start to see a better push up front, um, he's one of the biggest reasons why. What about a particular new name to know on the defense? Uh, defensively, right now, if you look at the depth chart, let's go at Andre Cisco. Uh, he's, a, he's a free safety. He's currently projected as the starter, despite the fact that he's a true freshman. Uh, definitely somebody who's super physical. I know some of the guys who have been at practice um, earlier this off season have said that he's already making reads that, you know, some of the, the current players aren't making, um, he, he's, he's finding ways to, to be physical without necessarily drawing penalties. Like he's, he's somebody who, um, has some huge upside for Syracuse and it's impressive, um, that he's been able to already put himself kind of at the top of the depth chart right now. Out of the IMG Academy in Florida, the, uh, the notorious, <laughs> um, John, let's look at the schedule here for Syracuse this year. And it's it's got to be mentioned starting off that they don't ever get it easy. No. <laughs> You're in a division with, you know, Clemson, who's been to the playoff three straight years, uh, with Florida State, who won a national title recently, who's always loaded with talent, with Clemson, who just, or uh, with, excuse me, with Louisville, who just had a Heisman winner a couple of years ago. Syracuse never gets off easy here. Um, Want to look for some surefire wins here. 
Um, the, the one that sticks out to me, really, there's probably two. It's home against Wagner, home against Connecticut. Um, are there any other games that stick out to you here on this schedule that it's like you feel really, really good about Syracuse getting the win uh, in those games? Uh, I mean, the Western Michigan game is probably as close as you're going to get. Um, I know right now, if you look at like Bill C's uh, S&P projections, um, that one's in toss-up territory. I think Western Michigan's lost a bunch, and I think that in general, like we should be able to outpace that defense. Uh, so I guess maybe throw that one into the sure win category, and I might regret it. Um, I mean, if SU drops that game, all, all bets are off on how, how, how negative this season could go. Um, but if we win that game going away, I, I do like our odds. So yeah, give, give me those three. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of SU's schedule, once again, is going to end up being in like big toss-up territory slash like probably need an upset or two. So, and maybe we we better call out the the toss up games by saying which games we're definitely going to lose, and that'll you know by process of elimination. Uh, the the one game that sticks out to me on this schedule that I, I just don't see a way for them to win is at Clemson. I don't see, especially, yeah, they're not sneaking up on Clemson again this year in Death Valley after what happened last year. I, I don't see a way that they win that game. No, no, that game's a loss. Um, I think the, the Notre Dame game's a loss. Um, and then the Florida State game is a loss by way of talent. Um, it's becoming a popular upset pick, both within the fan base and outside of it, though, if only because a lot of people see, you know, if, if Taggart's system still isn't implemented all the way, um, we could be able to catch him by surprise up at the Carrier Dome on September 15th. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, but I said that about the last two major upsets we had. So um, I'll put Florida State as a not going to win for right now. And then uh, hopefully hopefully that turns into a W nonetheless, though. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, a, there's another game on the schedule that I, I really am not uh, – so you mentioned Clemson and Notre Dame, maybe Florida State. There's another game that I am really not high on Syracuse in, and it's that last week on the road at Boston College. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that the the stylings of Boston College versus the stylings of Syracuse is not going to match up well for the Orange. Uh, I, I do not like them going on the road in that game, especially a week after Notre Dame, um, a physical game like that. It, it, that'll be a tough challenge for them to face. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I, I think BC, BC obviously makes some replacements on defense. I still don't know really what to think of that offense um, outside of A.J. Dillon, but – I mean, SU didn't look too – SU looked pretty terrible last year, albeit without Dungy, without a lot of other players. Um, still, I, I think you can probably pencil that one as a loss, while the others that we mentioned, you can probably write those in pen. There's actually another game on the schedule. You pointed out Florida State as a potential upset. You know, if we're going to call out a, uh, a, a traditional Dino Babers home upset, you know, one of these games that they've, they've done a couple times, you know, last year against Clemson, year before that against Virginia Tech in the, in the Carrier Dome. The other game on the schedule that sticks out to me is a potential Syracuse upset special is Friday night, November 9th against Louisville at home. And Louisville is my second team. Um, I think that that's a game where Louisville could be absolutely ripe for an upset, not to mention that things get weird in the Carrier Dome on Friday nights. Um, I don't know if you uh, if you feel good about the chances there, but that's one that sticks out to me that I think Syracuse could sneak up and beat one of these uh, one of these powers in the in the uh, Atlantic, as it were. I do, to be honest. Uh, I think Louisville has to replace a hell of a lot this year. Lamar Jackson's not the only thing, 
Um, I, I do think that their, their secondary might struggle a little bit. They don't really have a run game. Um, I, I'm, I'd say I'd find that one to be much more likely. It's probably not as big of an upset necessarily as, as Florida State would be. Um, but nonetheless, I think that's the much more likely win if you're picking between those two. Well, and you mentioned that Louisville's got a lot to replace, not only Lamar Jackson, but a lot on defense. And uh, not, keep in mind that Louisville is now – their defensive coordinator is a guy that Mike and I have lovingly termed the notorious BVG. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Van Gorder is now their defensive coordinator, which, you know, don't be shocked if Syracuse starts lighting up the, the, uh, the scoreboard in that game. So um, just one to keep an eye on. If we want to make a – so what we're saying, first of all, go back um, – I guess we're kind of calling Florida State a toss-up. Um, we yeah, are. I'd say, I'd say put that one one in as a loss. If okay, we're gonna look enough. at the Louisville game as as the better as the more likely one. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So we'll say at Pittsburgh, home against North Carolina, home against NC State, at Wake Forest, um, and then I, I don't know how you want to play the last three games on the schedule: home against Louisville, uh, neutral site against Notre Dame, and on the road at Boston college, but it seems like there's still some toss ups here. So John, let's go here. You know, do you have a record prediction that you're ready to make for Syracuse here uh, for this fall? I'll go with six and six. Um, I've done that the last couple of years, but I, I think six and six makes sense. Assuming we get those three wins in September um, and then beat one of Florida state and Louisville that gets us to four. Uh, then you just have to take two of um, you know, Pitt, Carolina, NC State, and Wake. Um, that's not like a, a short order by any means. It's not something that, that's going to be easy, but um, I feel like Pitt's being overrated quite a bit right now. I think UNC, um, we'll see how good they are. I also think NC State's going to take a bigger step back maybe than a lot of people think, um, given what they lost on the defensive side of the ball and just how much that line um, helped them control a lot of those games that they were in. Um, so I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say six and six. Um, I'd say Caroline is one of those wins, um, and Pitt might end up being the other. Yeah. I think Carolina has to be one of those wins. Um, you know, how much they're, they're going to be improved over last year is still a little bit to be seen, even with all the injuries that they should be getting folks back from. Um, I think I might go five and seven, just take a pessimistic outlook. Um, I, you know, I, I want this thing to work for what it's worth. You know, we, we've talked about, we actually really like the, the Dino Babers hire. We like watching Syracuse play, um, watching Eric Dungy jump kick a Miami defender last year was super fun. Like all this stuff. I, I love it. I, I want it to work. I'm just, I, I need to see it first. I need to see it. And I know I've seen it at uh, Bowling Green and, and other places. And I know that he came off the Art Bryles tree and that um, the system typically works very well. Uh, just, Seeing it applied to Syracuse, I, I need to see it. So I'm going to go five and seven, but I, I won't be shocked at all if they if they do make a bowl game here this year. Would be the first time since 2013, um, w- but I, I think it's totally possible. It's there, and the, and the games are, are winnable, and you get a good home schedule, that kind of thing. So I think it can be done. Um, one thing I will tack on to this, so I guess whether or not they do make a bowl game, how important is that this year to Syracuse fans as it relates to Dino Baber's job security, you know, coming off of two years of four and eight um, you've seen some flashes, you've seen some upsets, but haven't really seen some great results just yet. So is this, you know, 
If they don't make a bowl game this year, are we saying that in year four, Babers is on the hot seat, or does he still have a little bit of time to keep recruiting and keep building a program here? I mean, I think the recruiting results have definitely improved. I think we're getting blue chippers now um, at, at, a, at a better clip. You, you know, I mentioned a guy like DeVito, um, Trill Williams, another guy on the defense is a four-star, Ed Hendricks, a, a freshman uh, receiver is a four-star, as is Cotier White, um, who's an offensive tackle and a freshman. Like, so we're, we're getting better players in the door. And I think, you know, having, having John Wildhack be our uh, athletic director, somebody who, you know, is an alum as part of the fan base, really, and, and was following closely, like, the, the downward spiral under Greg Robinson and what's happened since. Like, I think he understands that you can't rush this thing. Um, I feel like fans need – he won't be fired at 4-8 and eight this year, but fans need a fifth win to show like linear progress. Um, I, I think for me, like I'll understand four and eight, but I'll, I, I'd really need that fifth win just to feel a little bit better. I still have a lot of faith in Dino Babers. I still think he's going to get it done. Um, injuries are, are really going to be the, the deciding factor. Like if Dungy can stay healthy, um, if Dungy can stay healthy and this team goes four and eight, I think there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of questions. If Dungy gets injured once again, um, I think that we, uh, he he gets another pass, but you know those th- those eight losses need to be need to look different than they have the last two years. There can't be blowouts. There can't be the games like the Wake Forest game last year where we gave up a huge lead and then got that doors absolutely blown off us in the second half last year. Can't look like the Louisville games the last couple seasons. Like if you're going to go four and eight, those games have to be close, competitive. Then that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, there you have it. So we need some progress this year, uh, preferably in the win column. Uh, but even if not, you know, at least in the eye tests, uh, I think that's a fair assessment. And it's probably reasonable to be patient again, where, where Scott Schaefer left this program a couple of years ago and understanding that Dino probably needed a little bit of time to, to kind of rebuild and, and get into a place where uh, where he could coach him up and, and have the team where he wanted him. So uh, fair enough. John, uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think I'm all set. I'm excited for the season, man. Awesome. Yeah, another another good college football season coming. There's surely going to be some crazy upset that Syracuse pulls. Appreciate you coming on. Um, this has been a really great preview uh, of Syracuse. Tell the folks where they can find your work uh, on the internet or on social media. Sure. Uh, you can find me at uh, John Casillo. It's J O H N C A S S I L L O on Twitter. Um, also at Noon's Magician. Um, on Twitter, and then noonsmagician.com, the website, if you uh, have not visited, where we uh, like to engage in some serious talk, but also a lot of jokes and garbage and try to keep things light because uh, being a Syracuse football fan doesn't always have a ton of high points. Oh, just wait till basketball season. Exactly. (laughs) John, you're the man. Thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Love to have you back on sometime this season after Syracuse inevitably pulls a major upset. Of course, happy to. (laughs) All right. That's John Casillo. Uh, we got to get out of here, though. I got more teams to preview. Hopefully, Mike is back for the next one. We'll see when he's done with his top secret mission. Uh, until then, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And as mentioned, you can also follow John at John Casillo on Twitter. Uh, go check him out uh, and go follow his work again at Troy News is an Absolute Magician. Um, You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. You can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. 
You can go find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash basketball conference. All sort of good stuff is there. Please go rate us and review us on iTunes. I got, I got to cover Mike's part for that one. So uh, hopefully I did all right. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. If you want to go watch these videos on YouTube, check out John's cool hat. I'm not really sure what team that is. Uh, is that a old New York Islanders hat? Giants hat? Oh, old school Giants. Oh, wow. Was that like 60s or how that far ago was that? Way back in the 70s. Back in the 70s. Yeah. All right. So if you want to check out John's retro New York Giants hat, um, go find us on YouTube. Again, just search for Basketball Conference. We don't have a fancy URL or anything like that. But uh, in any case, we're going to get out of here. we got more teams to preview. But until next time, for Mr. John Casillo, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.